0: Welcome to A Soundtrack Odyssey. This is the podcast that asks the very important question, in the film of your life, what would the soundtrack be? I'm your master of ceremonies, Stephanie Joy Hubbard. I'm just a nerd for music in films, really, and an obsessive maker of playlists. Today, I'm joined by the awesome, crawly hero, Petros Patsilivas. And we'll be talking about the tracks that would soundtrack the film to his life, imagining everything from the opening credits, his coming of age, his first love, all the way to what he'd want soundtracking the closing credits. You can listen to the official soundtrack album of the life of Petros Patsilivas by clicking the link in the description. Petros is awesome for many reasons. One is that he has an iconic podcast called Caged In, which on the surface is about Nicolas Cage. He's watched and dissected every single Nick Cage film that's ever been made. Films that the actor has starred in, written, produced. He is a world expert in Nick Cage at this point. But the podcast is also just a celebration of film directors, soundtracks and connections in the film world. On the podcast, Petros is currently exploring the connections and the threads of the Coppola family. So that legendary film, Family Dynasty, all of the people that are in that family, married into that family, all of the connections and the threads are truly fascinating. So I can't wait to introduce you to the legend that is Petros Pat Syllabus. Welcome to <laughs> A Soundtrack Odyssey. Welcome to the Bright Lights of Brighton. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's weird to be back.
1: Like, obviously, I... Spent some of, I don't know, formative? I don't, yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess throughout this kind of conversation, I guess if my life were a film, like, it would be set in Brighton, I guess, in a weird way. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The romanticized version of my life would be set s- s- somewhere else. I could often think about uh, the fact of, like, who would, especially since you sent me over the questions in, like, the kind of format of this podcast, I was like, what like who would direct the film of my life <laughs> and then there's like who i would want to and then there's like me being honest of myself and being like oh no that's who would direct it so like, in my head i'm like yeah it'd be like some cool like music video director turned like film director like roman gavras or like uh gasper noe oh, right, and
0: yeah. then
1: like in all reality, my life would be directed by Judd Apatow. It'd be like a—it's some kind of tragic comedy, <laughs> like in the way that like he goes, "Hey, Pete Davidson, do you want to tell like a part of your life story, but we we'll do a fictionalized version?" It's like th- that's how I would see my life going, and there's like there is a certain period in my life that I referred to as. Uh, <laughs> the sequel to Knocked Up that nobody asked for (laughs) (laughs) and yeah I'm sure we'll speak to that
0: and we'll get into that you live in Crawley now yes how's that it's fine
1: like I don't really see much of Crawley I think it's always been the same of when I lived in Brighton and I would go home to visit my parents people would be like what what was Crawley like I'd be like my parents house is great the like handful of places that I go to the cinema is functional it's got 15 screens it shows the films I want to see like that's fine uh the the every now and then when I go to the pub like you're looking over your shoulder a lot of the time like you, 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 you're worried it's gonna like be some kind of like ruckus whether you're involved or not like something's gonna kick off but like I yeah. don't know, I've always found it really funny, like, when I lived in Brighton, I would really pump up my, like, working class roots and kind of mm. speak a bit more like, mm. you're right, mate, how you doing? And then, when I live in Crawley, I'm very <laughs> much like amp up the kind of, oh, no, 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 like... Don't
0: involve me in this ruckus. I, like,
1: po- I posh myself up to be, like, almost, like, like yeah like, aspirational, like, oh, no, I'm not... I'm not you people. <laughs> if, I think it's very much that kind of commuter town and you have that, like, I don't think I've ever, I don't know, like, not related to any kind of pop-punk song where they're kind of, like, go, like, I hate this town, like, that kind of aspirational, want to move out, but, like, as I've got older, it's, like... It's okay. Like mm-hmm, it serves, mm-hmm. it serves the perfect purpose that I guess it was created in the first place. It's really quick to get to London. It's really quick to get yeah. to Brighton. Like there's an airport, like <laughs> it's basically attached to the town. Like what more could you want?
0: <laughs> I've got some icebreaker questions okay. for you, which you have not seen before. This should be an easy one for you, being such a well, a lover of film and a podcast host and such a, well, a consumer of music and film. Yep. What's your all-time favourite movie or TV soundtrack?
1: Ah, uh, the, the, the thing is, that that should be easy, but <laughs> I think, like, when you're kind of like an anorak and, like, consume so much, it then becomes, it's, it becomes that thing of, like, is it a soundtrack I really love? Is it a score I love? Is it, like, needle drops? Or is it, like... Mm. Oh, this is this is What's hard. What's
0: the first thing that comes to your mind?
1: I think it's like recency bias, like in the fact of like just the soundtrack in like the last year that like really kind of I don't know jumped out at me and like I I listen to all the time still is the soundtrack to Licorice Pizza, like which is just. Mm. All needle drops. I think there's, like, one bit of Johnny Greenwood score in it. and it's kind oh, of cool. like, like, yeah, just have some violins for this little moment. But then it's, like, I don't know, early 70s. So, like, you've got Bowie on there. You've got Wings. You've got, like, this amazing track by Taj Mahal um, that is just... I don't know if you're like a pep in your step, like it's the closing <laughs> track on the soundtrack and it's the kind of song that plays during the credits and you kind of like walk out of the cinema. And I remember seeing it at uh, uh, the Duke of York's in Brighton on a kind of like 35 mil projection, ju- just in that kind of festive perineum, you know, I think it was like the 27th, 28th um, of December last year. And it's like a pre-release like showing, and kind of walking out of that screening, just, like, being, like, really jazzed and being, like, yeah, like, this is going to be the song I listen to and like, I wake up in the morning, like, because it's going to be, like, I think it's called, like, that. that's really bad, like, it doesn't, like, jump to my mind, but it's, like, uh tomorrow, like, tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow's going to come or something like that, and it's just an absolute, like, barnstormer of, like, uh, if you're feeling, like, down in the dumps, we're just kind of, like really like shake you up and be like yeah tomorrow yeah tomorrow's going to be a great day <laughs>
0: nice it gives you that optimism that maybe you did not have before or, or is it doesn't come natural to you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I I, I, think,
1: I think I'm quite an optimistic person I, 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 people comment on their kind of unbridled opt- optimism yeah. it's, it's taken a while to get there
0: okay second question if you could be in any film what would you be in
1: oh if I could be in any film I guess there's that thing of like there's part of me it's like I'd love to be on the set
0: of loads of films,
1: and starring
0: like, role babes.
1: Yeah, no, just like kind of just like knocking about, just to like, to, do you know what I mean? Like, you think of like great either masterpieces or disasters, in like, do you know what I mean? Imagine being on the set of Apocalypse Now, just watching all like mm. the mayhem like unfurl around you would be amazing. <laughs> but like, <laughs> like being in that actual film, I feel like. I would be like cannon fodder, do you know what I mean? Like I would not I would not withstand the Vietnam War. <laughs> but um I guess it like probably speaks to like my, my youth. Like there's certain like like summer camp movies that mm-hmm. like I would love to be like there's a film called A Pig's Tale, which is really on the scene, I think, like of those kind of it's kind of in the vein of like the heavyweights, which I like a Disney movie. That um, yeah, Ben Stiller's in. and Was written by Judd Apatow like, in the '90s. I think Paul Feig, the director, is in it as like an actor when he's acting in the '90s. And it's yeah, that film's about like a group of I guess it's a camp for fat kids, and then gets taken over by Ben Stiller, who's like this fitness obsessed, almost like a prototype from his character from Dodgeball. Yeah and, like, is trying to, like, work these kids into thing, and they, like, fight back, but, like, uh, A Pig's tail is, like, this classic, one side of the river there's a camp that is full of misfit kids, and, like, do you know what I mean? Like, or, like, one of the bunks is just the kind of outcasts, and you, it's probably now it's really dated and aged badly. They're probably all stereotypes, but, like, as a kid I remember being like, that's who I would fit in with, and like we're against the kind of pretty rich kids and stuff like that, I think, yeah, I think I could see myself and even like even any of those like camp films even I don't know maybe as an adult, I'd see myself as like one of the counselors or something like that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? the guy people go, yeah, he's pretty cool, like he's, he's a, bit, a bit odd like but like yeah there there's always like a few odd balls, I guess like Bill Murray and, like meatballs and stuff like that like. Is he a stoner or is he just kind of really relaxed? Like, which is kind those, of like those like characters vibe.
0: always have like the best character arcs, though, don't
1: they? Yeah, 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 yeah. They introduce
0: you, and you're like, oh, I don't like him, and then by the end, you're like, oh, I love them.
1: Yeah, or like they kind of take the kid, Like, mm. do you know what I mean? They kind of, they grow. They always like, f- they fall in love with like the kooky like nurse or something at the camp or something like that, or like <laughs> they end up helping the kids to so, like realize their potential and like they learn the kids learn we all learn like maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe it's not like a thing working in education or just like having a kid and like making an impact on someone's life like yeah, I could see like I, honestly I could see myself in that role as opposed to I don't know like yeah I would love to be a part of the Corleone family but in all honesty, I'd probably be Fredo. Do you know what I mean? i ain't going to be Michael or Sonny. Like I'm going to be the wimpy brother who's kind of like shipped off to Vegas, like getting slapped around by Mo Green. Like that's probably who I'm going to be.
0: Third, third of these opening icebreaker questions. This is this is this is requires you to step out of yourself a little okay. bit. What would be your villain song? If you were the villain in a movie, what song would would you make like your evil entrance to?
1: So, the, the first thing that's jumped to my mind is, like, Staggerly by Nick Cave and Ooh, the Bad yeah. Seeds. Mm. Just because that's, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, about some, like, badass motherfucker mm. would be, like... That's a great answer. Would basically, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to be a villain, you want... <laughs> you well want be Staggerly. You, yeah, you want that kind of growl of, like, mm. Nick Cave kind of going, like, Staggerly. Yeah, in my head, I'm, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, Dennis Hopper in like a, a a a mid a mid thigh length leather jacket, <laughs> like a horror brown and like like a cowboy shirt, like him in uh, blue velvet or something like that. We like this guy is fucked up. Like yeah, for his Lee, like that's the that's the guy I think about. So I think yeah, that's a good nice. that's a good villain song.
0: I reckon. Nice. I said this in my in one of my other podcasts, but um. One of my favourite, like, villain entrances is in Charlie's Angels. Mm-hmm. The one with, like, Lucy Liu, Cameron yeah. Diaz, uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, and I can't remember the actor's name. It's Sam something, but he plays... Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, that's it. And he's, like, in front of a stereo in Fort Knox in his evil layer. And then he puts on Pharaoh Monk, Simon Says. Oh,
1: yeah. And then Get he starts... Yeah. yeah, and he yeah. starts dancing
0: <laughs> and he's sliding and then he, t- and he spins 360 and then he's got, a, he's got a fag on and he's got his glasses oh, it's not even that evil, but, like, there's something about that song and the way he dances. Yeah. I just love that scene.
1: Yeah, I think there's, like, a thing of... And there is that thing, like, when I think of, like, songs that are, like, uh, get under your skin, like, sometimes they do it really well in films where, like, there is something innocent about the song, but the context just makes it so sinister. Exactly. There's, like... I always think of *Insidious* with that use of that *Tiptoe Through the Tulips* song, and it's like—oh
0: my god, yes!
1: I'm sure if you hear that song, like just uh, you go, "Yeah, it's a bit weird," but you hear it in the context of that film, and you go, "Like, get me the fuck out of this room!" Yeah. Like I, 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 (laughs) so I worked in a cinema when that film came out, and like the score for that film. Like throughout the credits, it's just basically violins just like playing discordant like And then I knew from seeing like doing screen checks earlier on in the day or like cleaning screens that at the end of the film it has like this as like old woman character from the film just blow out a candle on screen and I was working a late night Friday night, and it was in Screen Thirteen. And you're supposed to like go around
0: oh no. collect
1: all the rubbish. Not
0: Screen like, Thirteen. Yeah, I walk.
1: I walked in. And I was like, that's insidious. I was like, you know what? I nah. I don't care if I'm getting in trouble tomorrow morning. Fuck this. Like, I did it. I did it. Like, nah. Like, or I'll no. come back later. I'll go. Oh yeah. I'll go home late. I will. Do you know what I mean it's It's gone midnight, but I'm going home late because I'm I'm waiting till this film is done, dusted, Like, because yeah. I know I'll be mid, I don't know, scooping up some popcorn and all of a sudden I'll just like, the corner of my eye, see this old woman blow out a candle and I'll be like,
0: "Yeah, this ruined
1: my fucking life, I've got to walk home.
0: We're gonna move on. Yes. We're gonna talk about the soundtrack to your life. Okay. If your life was a movie, what would the opening credits be?
1: So, I thought about this, like, long and hard, and like, it's this thing of, I thought about it, and I'm sure everyone who's been on this podcast, or who will ever be on this podcast will be like, I'm going to change this countless amounts of time, and I just, maybe like a few days after you'd sent me the list, just got really drunk, and was like, do you know what, I'm just going to... This is probably, like, my heart of hearts is what I'm saying. And I think some of it was, like, I was going down certain rabbit holes of certain of the choices. And then I think in your brief it says, like, something that just absolutely, sl- like, slaps. And, yeah, it's Phantom Part 2 by Justice, which could have easily have been, like, an answer for, like, a, a later question as well. But, like, there is something about, like this song and it's it's weird as well because it's like a part two of like the song that precedes it is like a play on the same theme but there's something about this second part and the song itself as well like is i i I figured this out like years later because i think the album came out like 2007 2008 which like was a kind of like real eye-opener for me like it's kind of been massive into like daft punk as a kid remember seeing all the videos for like the discovery album and being like wow and then there's somebody who's doing something similar to daft punk but in this kind of like there's a grittier edge to it and it's kind of a bit more gnarly like it's i don't know it's dirty leather jackets and cigarettes as opposed to the kind of Clean helmets and like mm, clean shiny leather. helmets, yeah, yeah. And, and like clean leather of Daft Punk, mm. and like I remember like first time hearing it, I was like, "This is my-. I remember buying the CD and being like blown away by the fact that the out al- like the album came on um, the, the underside of the disc was like a PlayStation Two disc and it was black, mm. like so they'd gone all out with like the kind of Thing of like, oh, out like it's moody, it's dark. Like, the artwork is a black cover with this like golden cross. Mm. The album is literally called Cross, but not the word, the like symbol. And then, yeah, the song so
0: 2007, yes,
1: yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> and then, the um, yeah, finding out years later that the song itself is. Uh, like Sample's a piece of film music as well so it's from like uh, 1980s Dario Argento film Tenebrae um, like yeah the Franco Simonelli like title track for that film uh, is kind of the main riff in this song and I think when I think about like the opening titles to film My Life and obviously I, I'm probably romanticising and like thinking of what I would want the opening title to my life to be but I'm like it's got a real strut to it and like I Mm. see (laughs) and it is the kind of song that like when you leave the house you kind of put it on and you can't help but kind of feel like John Travolta at the beginning of like Saturday Night Fever and like you're going down the street and I guess like there's similar artists to this like again kind of this wheelhouse of this Uh, Sub Daft Punk like wave of Ed Banger, like um, French kind of new disco movement, like Kavinsky and stuff like that. They create these songs that kind of have this like four to the floor, like, or just kind of this rhythm to it where you just walk down the street and there's, in this song it's kind of got it where like, yeah... You see yourself, even if you're not, like, you're, you're, do you are know what I mean? You're wearing a cardigan and a striped T-shirt, but, like, in your head, you're wearing a leather jacket and, like, you've got slick back hair and, like, sunglasses and smoking a cigarette. And, like, <laughs> in a weird way, like, I see... I, like, I kind of see that as, like... I was kind of trying to visualise, like, that opening and, like, the, the, the version of my, like, life story. And I couldn't help but think of, like, a kind of just... I don't know, a weird aspect of it where, yeah, I've got that strut, I've kind of got that swagger of um, John Travolta, but for some reason there is just, like, people on the street just taking, like, a punch at my face. And, like, it's kind of, unlike just people, like, so throughout, like, the title sequence, just me, like, progressively getting, like, beating the shit out of and but, are you are like, you
0: fighting them off no no no, no I'm no, it's just taking walking it okay just fine. Take it, yeah, yeah.
1: Just <laughs> smacked in the face and i'm like Do you know what? i'm just gonna keep on going and i guess it's like a weak metaphor for like life not that my life has particularly been like i don't know i guess uh, compared to others or like obviously it's a spectrum of Things you go through in life and people like, yeah, like, but I do not say it's particularly like a harrowing life, but I think it kind of talks to this absurdist aspect of like how my outlook on life of just like, I would think that would be a quite a funny way for a film to start. Like, I guess it would be like almost that like disconnected from the 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 film itself, but it would just be like a, this happened to me. How did we get here? Let's let's rewind to the beginning and see, like, how how I got to the point where people in the street are just smacking me in the face <laughs> to 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 the sound of yeah, uh, Justice's Phantom Part Two.
0: Cross came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. Justice obviously came to like indie indie disco yes. recognition with their remix of Never Never Be Alone by Simeon. Yeah. And I mean, like I never I didn't ever go to a an indie disco and didn't hear that track. Like there was not ever like a time where
1: Yeah. Simeon yeah.
0: Justice, Never Be Alone.
1: Well I had yeah, I had a brief stint uh when I was like eighteen, nineteen living in Crawley, uh, that I like me and a friend of mine hosted a DJ night and I think it was either that track or like with Chuck in like At some point in the night we'd put on like Genesis by Justice or something like that just to kind of like right now now things are like let's kind of set the tone we're moving into something and then it would kind of be like yeah like those disco bangers, do you know what I mean? Like Mastercraft remixes of like indie tracks or like Wolfmother tracks and stuff mm. like that. And then yeah woman. Think, yeah. Very short-lived should I say. I don't think Crawley was quite ready for for that, but um yeah we were just trying to try to ape the club nights we'd been to in Brighton and be like, <laughs> the people aren't ready in Crawley. They're not ready for they're not ready for this <laughs>
0: Okay, so we've had that amazing opening sequence where we're getting punched in the face yes. walking down the street. Strutting, most importantly. Yeah. Strutting like John Travolta. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, of course. Eating two slices of pizza stacked on top of each other, which is something I always remember from the opening of that film.
0: Yeah, we, we yeah, okay, that's you need to nick that, definitely. That is, <laughs> that is a detail, and I love that because that would be such a great nod. Yeah. And like maybe you've got a slight flare on.
1: Yeah, ca- like a can of paint as well. Like I, that's what I love about that. It's like kind of cool as John Travolta looks. He's like he's still carrying a can. Of, like the fact <laughs> he looks cool and like women are like falling at his feet. And he's like he's so carrying a can of paint. He's eating, he's eating. two slices of pizza stacked on top of each other. If he could make that look like, do you know what I mean? It's like if that was me, it'd be like there's sauce down the shirt. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd drop the can of paint and then yeah in in my version, I'm not even fending off people. I've got a heavy can of paint like i'm just <laughs> I'm just taking the punches, like the paint's everywhere. my jeans are covered in white paint. It is what it is.
0: right. so act one is always about the coming of age. Mm-hmm. so something that reminds you of your early years or your school days, or like whatever the first band that you were properly into for the first time, someone that made you really get into music. Um, or perhaps a song from your favourite childhood film, but whatever song reminds you of that pinnacle time in your life when you're, like, discovering something. So what is your what is your coming-of-age track?
1: So it's Balloons by Foals, which would have come out, like... And I guess, like, the whole Foals thing for me is, like, they're a band that, I guess, yeah, when I was a kid, there were bands as was really I was really massively into the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I think... So it's pretty much like, I think everyone was of a certain age, do you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, it seems like, oh, they're like, do you know what I mean? There's a couple of swears or whatever, or like, do you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, he's, I don't know, like, Anthony Kiedis is saying ding dong ding dang dang, ding dong ding dang go. And it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, you don't even have to say words and you can have a hit single. And then, like, um, Foles were a band, I remember, and I could have picked early songs, like, I was not to sound like a kind of like, I don't know uber hipster but like they were like one of those bands that I found really early on like I think reading Enemy and seeing like one of those famed like house party shows they used to do where it's like I think the photo was like so the lead singer Yanis Filipakis like almost like looking like he's screaming into a microphone like undercut shave sides this kind of mop of hair on top holes in the walls in like some kind of squat and stuff like that and like reading the article reading the name Yanis philipakis so if those of you listening haven't guessed with a name like petrus patsylus i am half greek so like reading that name i was like i need to like i just need to listen to this band like there's something, there's something cool about these images like there's a review of this house show. I just need to listen to it so like yeah really got into like i think at the time maybe had they had like the two early singles so mathletics and hummer and it's like i could have picked those but like there's something about there's something about balloons and i think like yeah really formative for me because i don't know uh, at school it was really trying to figure out what my music was and there were bands earlier like yeah kind of like landfill india like listen to stuff but there was something about foals that like Mm. kind of just like clicked with me it's like it feels like something super rhythmic they were they were like one of the bands that like when i would read in articles like oh they sound a bit like gang of four they've got elements of this they've got elements of that like they were like the first band where i would like zone in on those influences that people were citing or like saying oh yeah it's got elements of this and go like trace it back to the kind of like genesis point and yeah there was just something about the whole like accessible math rock element to it it wasn't kind of like the germane like we're we're choosing time signatures by rolling dice math rock where it's like really kind of impenetrable some of that stuff is like really great and kind of like but there was something about the gang vocals and mm. yeah like and with a yeah with a song like Balloons oh, like, <laughs> I remember and this was a bit of time so yeah what well, this album came out like March 2008 and I remember this single dropping and it being like Zane Lowe's hottest track um, and then I will never know unless like for under some circumstances I get to meet Zane Lowe but and then, even then he wouldn't remember but like he like said hey what are we closing the show out with tonight like get your texts in the one time I ever did it I just texted him being like play foals balloons again Zane and then he just went and here's the end of the show and then you just heard that like Like, the intro, and I was, like, elated in my bedroom. Because, yeah, this would have been, like, pre... I guess YouTube would have been about, but, like, definitely not on my radar. Like, Mm. I think I would... I don't know, maybe try and see if somebody had uploaded it to an account on MySpace and, like, had it on their page that you could just, like, listen to it over and over again. And I remember... Yeah, I bought like they, they would, they were something crazy like £10. They would do these amazing things. I got. I, I still got them like with Balloons and uh, the following single, Cassius. They did like £10. You would get two vinyl, two seven inch vinyls and then a CD. And uh, they would all have different B sides. And I remember the one for Balloons was you got a CD, where the B-side is a song called Durf. And then you got a 12-inch etch, so one one side is etch with this amazing tin head artwork, who was like their kind of go-to guy at the time. And then the other side was this four-tet session of balloons that was like 14-minute long version of the song that was kind of like really out there, Foles kind of jamming and then Fortek kind of fiddling knobs and just making noises and stuff like that and there's just I don't know, some, yeah, something about this band and specifically this song I remember I think from speaking to people I maybe they did it like a handful of times but I saw them just before the first album came out at the Concord 2 in Brighton and they were supported by a band called Youth Movies which yeah the lead singer Andrew, Andrew Mears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah used yeah. to be the lead singer of Foles yeah. and they happen to have crazy thing, like with with a band like Foles, like I I was like I used to speak to them on like MySpace because I got into them at that kind of weird point when you could. And I remember like chatting to them. I think I would, like invited them to like a party that like a friend was throwing. And they'd be like, hey, we would be game for coming and playing, but we're currently in New York recording our album. And I was like, whoa, these guys are chatting to me. Yeah. And then so to this show, I saw them. So yeah, the youth movies have a trumpet player. Mm. And then. They had a saxophonist as well, and yeah, they played, like, tracks off of the first album, it's the only album of theirs that really has it. They actually had a saxophonist and the trumpet player play the, like, the horn parts that feature on the album, so, like, a song like Balloons kind of has these kind of, like, Mm. like, when you get to, like, the tail end of the track, like, these juttering, like, sax parts and, like, trumpet parts that kind of, like... Like, like, and like Cass is got him, and, like the whole album kind of starts with like almost like a uh, like the I don't know something you'd get like yeah like you think of like the D, you know like on a DVD where it's like testing your like Dolby or like THX like sound advert you'd get of like the helicopter you got this and like the the, the album then kicked in. Yes, yeah, so I saw them, I saw them do that, and I remember just there was something about like balloon and I. From I've seen them, like, loads since, and it's a song they don't tend to play live that much anymore. And, like, it's mm. kind of, like, yeah, it's, it's one that just, like, really stood out to me. And I, I've definitely, I don't know, heard, like, the demo version of it and stuff that were, it was even more kind of yelped and kind of, yeah, horrible, uh, in the best kind of sense. It really reminds me of a time when I started to find, like, my tribe of people and then like people i met maybe subsequent years after getting into them they were like a band where i'd be like oh i'm really into foes and it would be like a jumping off point because it kind of took me a while like the kids i went to school with were like massively into like metal and stuff like that and it's like i don't know weirdly i've seen as like an outcast for like being into indie music and it's like i don't know like i'm gonna see <laughs> do you know what i mean? like, Oh, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see the Maccabees. And I'm like, fucking hell, mate. Like... But, it was, but it was so <laughs>
0: less established then. Because yeah. I was the same. I was, like, halfway between, like, the chavs that loved, like, R&B. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, the the amazing R&B at the, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, early yeah. noughties, to be fair. Like, Ja Rule. What, you know, fucking yeah. hell, yes. And then, and then the metalheads. But both of those genres were so well established. Whereas indie was so weird to a lot of people. Like, yeah. You couldn't even buy... You couldn't even buy skinny jeans at that point in, like, Mm -hmm. 2003, 2004. I had to buy jeans from H&M and Topshop, and then I would cut them up the inseam, and then I would just hand-sew them terribly, terribly, so they (laughs) were drain pipes that I could go to the cockpit on a Friday night in Leeds.
1: Amazing.
0: (laughs) But I get that. Like, me and my mates at school were the outcasts because we Loved those obscure weird bands that nobody really understood what they were doing.
1: Mm, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I guess, I guess this could have easily been an answer for me. It's like I was, uh, I don't know, maybe like a one of a handful of people who was like really into and still stand by the band Test Icicles. Like, yeah, I was just like, yeah, it kind of merged, like, oh uh, yeah, kind of just stepping out of that kind of being into metal and stuff like that. And they kind of had that, but then they also had like these like block party-esque guitars with like, yeah, like the Boa versus Python with that, like, yeah. and it's so like, good that that indie stomp but also had moments where it's like kind of freak out metal kind of influenced and like, yeah, like, that was the whole thing. But yeah, a, a, a band like Foles kind of really was formative for me. We're
0: now going to go to your first love, act okay. two you know you you grow up you meet someone maybe or you fall in love with something uh-huh. at some point don't you like i asked you to choose a song that would be would be the track that's playing when you realize that you've just found the love of your life like the first the first love of your life and it could be a person it could be it could be or it could be anything it could be something that you just fucking fell in love with music mm-hmm. film Um, or it could be the song that reminds you of like your first kiss or losing your virginity or just the song that reminds you of a time and place in your adolescence when everything felt really good so what did you choose
1: i chose whitney houston's i want to dance with somebody which is an undeniable banger for one and i took this i took this like question pretty literally to like the first love i had and thought about like the first person I fell in love with. And, like, there was some... I kind of toyed with this, do you know what I mean? Like, I I earlier mentioned the Maccabees, and I was like, well, they've got a song that would be perfect for this. No, that's cheating. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? I would have been listening to that when I was, like, a teenager, and, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'd barely kissed a girl. So, uh, I think when, like, when I think of this song, like, why it jumped out to me is... So it would have been like I don't know, I guess it would have been like eighteen, nineteen years old. I'd fallen like in love with so it's kind of in, in that weird way that you do, probably like looking back, definitely could have handled things differently. It was this kind of like we would meet up like all like from time to time and never really both tell each other how we actually felt and then there was periods we're together and then like we'd drift apart and come back together. This is sounding like we just hooked up, but like it was kind of a lot more complex than that. And I remember a specific night that she had invited me to, and this, this is sounding very, I think this is why Brighton becomes like a, a key and a, and a very specific time in Brighton. So you're, you're, you're on the seafront, you're going to Arc, and she invited me to see uh, a DJ set by Ryan Jarman from The Cribs.
0: Perfect. I'm in, I'm in, I'm sold. (laughs) Huge Cribs fan.
1: And this would have been like the era when he was dating Kate Nash. So Mm. at the time, as a kind of like...
0: Indie royalty.
1: Young, impressionable indie kid, it would have been like, that is my idea of what love should be. You should be, do you know what I mean? You should be calling people a dickhead or you should be (laughs) you should be calling people out in the like Leeds indie scene like like saying they're like they're posers and stuff like that and i don't know doing a free night residency at the brindanelle playing your free albums so yeah and i remember i remember like not knowing what he'd play being oh is he just going to play stuff that like infants cribs and then he dropped this song on the dance floor and, like, the place just, like, the place just rightfully, like, lost their mind in, like, the best way. And, like, I, d- I don't know if this is, like, a kind of romanticised memory or it it's more probably me just being, like, what would the scene in the film be of this moment? And it's kind of like a, I don't know, like... Like, do you know what I mean? The camera's spinning one way We're spinning the other way We're kind of like Just We can dance Do you know what I mean? It's not like We're pissed And we think we can dance Like in this version Like we can really dance We're kind of holding court On the dance floor Like people have moved away But not in a way of like They're watching us In just like a a, 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 like a kind of fantasy realism way of just like it just naturally happens and like things it's slow motion but it's like there's a rhythm to it it's do you know what I mean it's speeding up it's slowing down the images and yeah like that's how I kind of and it's some, just something about that and so I don't think I think the song itself as well is is basically about trying to find love, right? It's, like, a really upbeat way of saying, like, I just want... Oh, yeah, I want somebody to love me, like, and it is, yeah. like... And I think it's a great way of doing that in, like, a lot of, like, love songs are kind of very, like... Uh, I don't know, soppy and kind of, like, sincere and stuff like that, and it's, like, what first love especially feels like is kind of like a a pulsating beat and something where it's like I just want to fucking dance even if like Mm. I've got two left feet like do you know what I mean it's like you're the person I want to dance with and I think like that's like in that moment at least in the kind of romanticized version of my memories that is how I felt and like kind of like yeah Like at the time, it's like, this is what it is. This is what it is to love somebody. And like, Mm -hmm. I've had it, I've, uh, yeah, I've had it in the future. It's like, there is something beautiful about dancing with someone that you love. Like, and just like, I don't know, because I think if you do, like, if you kind of let your inhibitions go and not think of anyone else, it's just, it's just so fun and just. I don't know. It is. It is something where, yeah, you feel togetherness and you feel you feel love in its kind of purest form.
0: I just couldn't be more thrilled about this choice. <laughs> like, I am obsessed with this song. Like, I have loved this song since I was like eight. Uh-huh. I just, it's, it's, it's pure joy to me. Yes. I. Can't I just can't agree with you more? Like, and honestly, it's hard for me to put into words like how much I fucking love this song. I could listen to this song if something awful had happened, and I would feel—I honestly would feel a little bit better. <laughs> like, and <laughs> listener, it has been rainy in Brighton recently, like pouring it down. And I've been walking to work, listening to um, Petros' playlist, and every time this song came on, I've been in the pouring rain. This song—I have to stop myself dancing in the street. <laughs> And, like, I don't really know why I do stop myself, but, you know, I, you do, don't you? You look like a crazy woman at 8am, dancing yeah, but- past an all-girls school. But, you know, but this song, to me, is is everything joyful in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, for all of the reasons that you just said, but it also reminds me of, like, all of the best times of my life. Mm-hmm. Like... Pure abandon. And it's also the perfect pop song. It's a banger, yes. Everything about the melody, the tempo, is a banger, but it's also got that tinge of sadness. Yeah. It's like I've been spinning around town. She's lonely. She's fucking lonely, but yeah. um but she's got this drive to and find out. And there's that, that
1: musical person. motif in there as well that's kind of like quite dramatic, that like burn nah. And it's like, whoa, it's kinda of like a kind of like grab you like oh yeah, like the and as you said, there is that tinge of sadness to it, and like I guess it is the kind of encapsulates who Whitney Houston is and I'm I'm so thrilled to hear like there is a there is a biopic of her life coming that is mm. called I Want to Dance with Somebody and I hope that it kind of as much obviously there are dark and disturbing things to kind of chew upon like or in kind of cinematically with her life but like there's part of me that's like if you can kind of encapsulate the joy of the this song as well, and just be able to like, I don't know. I I I, I kind of I am kind of dreading the trailer for it dropping and it being like a, a slowed down piano version of it though.
0: Okay, so we're going to move into Act Three, mm-hmm. and after you know what comes up must come down. Mm-hmm. We've got to have that character arc. So in Act Three, it is your po- your your point of conflict or despair. So this could be. Anything that's helped you through dark times, or it could be, you know, something that would would accompany your character in the film during your darkest hour. Something dramatic, maybe. Maybe it's a fight scene, anger. But yeah, what is your what is your point of conflict or despair song, please, Petros?
1: <laughs> this might be, I don't know, it might come as like a like a curveball to a lot of people, but like this, I think this is a this is an answer and a kind of there's a justification to this that takes some context. And I'll get there, don't worry. Uh, But it is Beautiful Boy, Darling Boy by John Lennon. Uh, And I must first state that, like, John Lennon was not a good guy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He was horrible to women and, uh, yeah. uh, um, But there is something about this song and it very much, like... Makes me think of a very specific time in my life, which was finding out I'd become a dad. And most people would be like, that's a moment of elation and joy in your life. Which it was, but came at very kind of weird and difficult circumstances. Because, listener, I found out that I was a dad when my son was six days old. Um, which kind of really threw me for a loop uh, for many reasons. And I think, I don't know, like, I I cried a lot around this time, but not like tears, it was just confusion, joy. Um, and I think it definitely, if I think of like a point of conflict in my life, like it kind of was, not in the kind of like, I don't know, fight sense, but it was this kind of, like, all of a sudden I've just got to grapple with who I am as a person. And I think, like, inner conflict is, like, (laughs) just as valid as kind of external forces. And obviously there kind of... There is an element of external forces. It's kind of a very muddy, sticky situation I was in. There were multiple parties involved all of a sudden, and it kind of, like... Way more than... Yeah, I, 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 like, would like to and probably, like, should divulge on a podcast, but, like, it, trust me, it was... It was, <laughs> it, it was a tough time, but... So, when I found out this news, like, any kind of sane person, the first thing I did was... Uh, I Googled, having, like, found out this news that, yeah, it was going to be... That, not that it was going to be, that I was a dad, was to... Uh, create a playlist of music. I just kind of Googled songs about becoming, like songs that people have written about becoming a parent. So, like, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share some of the like songs that are on this playlist. So, I guess there's a sub playlist to this playlist uh, that um, yeah uh, is "Kooks" by David Bowie. He's also on there, "Sail to the Moon" by Radiohead, "Baby Boy" by Childish Gambino, which really could have been. My, like, was, like, my kind of, was my pick for this and then, like, listened to that song quite a bit and I was, like, it's too tinged with sadness that, like, I just can't go for it. Cloud Busting, uh, My Old Man by Mac DeMarco. Um, My Old Man by Ian Dury, Stay Up Late by Talking Heads, Too Hard by Kurt Vile, another song that was nearly, like, this pick because there's like a line in that song that's like kind of uh he says yeah at one point like uh i promise not to party too hard too hard and it's that kind of like thing of oh yeah all of a sudden you've got to make promises to like this this new person in your life like this person you're somewhat responsible like literally any song on this list could have been a pick for me like but like There is, yeah, there's something about this John Lennon song. Mm -hmm. I think I remember that night going to sleep, like, crying just, like, in disbelief and kind of, like, somewhat joy, like, tomorrow I'm going to meet my son, listening to that song. And I guess, yeah, the line that kind of sums up that kind of um, moment of, conflict is like um life is what happens to you whilst you're busy making other plans <laughs> and it's like what a kind of it now like it's such a it like, it can sound like such a cliched line but like i think it's only cliched because it it perfectly does sum up what life is like do you know what i mean like and um, there is no more so does is that applicable than kind of the situation i was in like mm. do you know what i mean i was in a different part of my life and then my past and like yeah like my present and my future had kind of all collided in one moment and it's like the fabric of my future is completely different to what it was 20 minutes ago before hearing this news, mm. so like I guess it's more inner conflict and kind of uh, I can I can listen to it like and and this whole list, like I guess because yeah, I was kind of brutally honest with it, like was quite hard to listen to at times because I was like, ah oh, like this is remind, like, do you know what I mean? I listen to them sparingly in the same way that I watch certain films Mm. only every five years, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, do you know what I mean? I'm not going, oh, it's Friday night, let's put on Requiem for a dream. At the (laughs) same time, I'm not going, I'm leaving the house, I'm putting on, like, yeah, Beautiful Boy by John Lennon, because it's like, it's kind of, I don't know, I have to kind of, yeah, I I need to almost, like, sit, reflect on it, normally, like, I'll be... thumbing through pictures of my of my son whilst I, like, listen to it and stuff like that. And it's like, it's such a beautiful song. And, yeah, I think it, 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 enc- it just encapsulates that period in my life, which was transformative and, uh, yeah, changed the fabric of who I am, like, as, uh, I guess every parent says that and i guess it's pretty it's pretty pretty cliche to google songs about parenting and stuff like that when you become a parent but like hey not many people find out they're a parent 6 days into their child's life so you've got to take some shortcuts and i took some shortcuts by listening to some of the greatest musicians ever
0: it's definitely a unique situation yeah. that you went through there <laughs> yeah <laughs> cuz usually most people have you know a good a good few months to get used to the idea
1: yeah, I I've kind of thought about it. I like most people, if you think like, if you think about it realistically, like they what like. 18 months to like two years to get their head around it because most people if they're planning to have a child like it might take a while it might take like six months and then or might take longer and then like you've got so much time you've got all the kind of leading up to it making all these decisions financially preparing emotionally preparing all of this and I was kind of like you nope. know what <laughs> let's go to the top uh diving board and jump right in um, yeah
0: it kind of feels like one of the people punching you in the face in the opening sequence is like a metaphor for for this happening it's like yeah. hey you've got a child
1: bang <laughs> yeah yeah I guess my yeah my uh a, a yet-to-be adult version of my son is one of the people <laughs> just coming up to and punching me yeah maybe the people punching me in that title sequence is just people throughout my life that would be yeah I think that would be quite poetic and I think I, f- I, f- I think I have a nice way of tying that all all together at the end of this film
0: Act Four is your moment of euphoria or enlightenment. I'm like obsessed with the moment in in films where your lead character has this like change come upon them, and mm-hmm. they're like whoa like they re- they realize something really profound um I'm like obsessed with the concept of um when you register change on a human face, yeah, like it's really uh, enticing to other people it's like when you when you see like a close up of someone's face and, and and they're registering some sort of profound thing, like there's just something so interesting to me about that, so I wanted to know what what song would accompany that moment in the film when you realize something or everything becomes clear to you or <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's a time when you feel truly free or you lose control like you're in your own world something like that so what is your enlightenment or moment of euphoria song
1: so it's a song called clear by matty which like there's like two albums that were released in 2018 which was like both the year that my son was born and kind of one of the like equally the most filling and year, tough years of my life Summer that preceded my son being born was, I don't know, like, yeah, as probably in, like, one of the biggest depressions of my life, and there were two albums that kind of really, like, uh, I, like, grasped onto and, like, kind of, I think, like you said, there would have been, like, listening to them and kind of, like, chewing over their meanings or, like, finding stuff in there that, like, meant something to me, specifically, or kind of moulding what the song is saying, to be like, oh, yeah, I can make that about me, uh, was the Blood Orange album, uh, Negro Swan, Um, and specifically there's the opening track on that, Orlando. Uh, But I think the album that really, like, spoke to me that year, and specifically this song, yeah, is a song by Matty, which... I don't know. I guess like it's it's an album that a lot of people don't really know about. Is so he's one of the founding members of uh, the Canadian like jazz group Bad Bad Not Good. Uh, he was like the piano player for the first four albums, and then like left the band and then created this kind of, I guess you would call it like I don't know like uh, future Beach Boys album in a way it's kind of got this and i think in the same way that same that same summer i really got into pet sounds as well and like uh i remember just like be, sitting on the beach a lot uh smoking cigarettes drinking listening a lot of the time on my own listening to pet <laughs> sounds going like especially like songs like good vibrations being like um why do people say that this is happy music like this album is fucking miserable Uh, (laughs) I was like I'd just listen to it be like this. he's like the ultimate sad boy yeah is Brian Wilson B.O.I. yeah like (laughs) big time sad boy like do you know what I mean like um well, I think there's a line on that album. I can't remember what song it is, it is but it's a refrain where it goes, "Sometimes I feel very sad,"
0: and just <laughs> keeps going.
1: It's like, of course you fucking do, Brian. Like you've taken too much acid. You kind of like come out the other side of it, and like life is fucking tough, of course. Like, I like yeah. Like, is it wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't it be nice if we were older? Like, how fucking sad is that? Like that that that, and then. This album, yeah, Matty, and this song, Clear, like, has kind of, like, on the nose of a song it could be, especially for this question. There is just something about it that just, like... I don't really know. I think the song's about, like, moving on for a relationship and finding someone new and feeling like that's the person who's going to make it all clear and maybe that's not it. But I think it is just that, for me, it was just that realisation that, like, yeah, you're always looking for things and, like, that's going to be the answer to, to it. And, like, nine times out of ten, it's not. And then, like, uh, I don't know, it's a lot of the time you kind of have to, like, look inside to to find, like, the clearest answers. And I think especially, like, the tail end of that summer would have been when I started... It's like therapy for the first time and then like listen to his album a lot. And yeah, it's just the song that kind of really encapsulates that kind of coming out of this funk. Coming out of this like big, big like depression. Like it was a it was a yeah, it was a (laughs) And like in the biggest way, like this is like like come out of a yeah, come out of like a really meaningful relationship. Did like the stereotypical like? More, but more so, I guess it's associated with women than than men. But like, I <laughs> I dyed my hair pink. I um, I guess women don't do this, but like, I shaved my beard off and like just had a mustache, and I was like, I'm gonna be a, com- a, a completely different person. I got really fit. I got really skinny. <laughs> Because I was living off of cigarettes, <laughs> cans of red stripe, and walks. That was <laughs> that was like basically my diet. But then, like, I found solace in this song, and I guess thing like there's a fragility to his voice, and there's I don't know. Sometimes in music, you hear something where you're like, that's attainable, in a weird way. Not to say like I like, I probably couldn't. German, you know I I'm not like a. Uh, a classically trained like jazz pianist and probably can come up with the arrangements that he does, but there's something about the honesty of that that album and specifically this track. And it's also it's also got like a real like great bop to it and like this great kind mm. of like synth line that is doubled up with the vocal, especially the kind of like a uh, falsetto vocal you get that kind of mirrors the kind of synth line. It's just it's just great, and I think, yeah, I think there's, uh, I, could, I could really picture that in a film of just somebody, like, I don't know, it's like, slow motion imagery, like, and I think, like, that the album cover, like, really portrays something of just, like, this kind of, like, blue sky wearing a white T-shirt. Like, you, that mm. that is, like, the scene, and, like, this kind of really fixed camera where it's, like, the the, the character is almost, like, on some kind of platform and being pushed along and just like the sky is like moving around them as this song plays and kind of like interacting with it as the song progresses. Like you kind of like see the the mood change as you start to realise that like yeah you're looking for answers in people like as we most of us do when you come out of relationships or uh you look for answers elsewhere and sometimes yeah the the answers you're looking for are just sorting your own shit out, basically. And, uh, yeah, go into therapy. Go to therapy.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely sort of encapsulates that, like, clarity after a storm mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. the one of my favourite sounds of all time is, is a sad synth. Yes. If a, sid, if, if a, sid, if a synth can encapsulate sadness, uh-huh. it's just one of those sounds that I'm obsessed with.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think the way to... Um describe the synth on this track it's like a sad cat mm. it's like a literally it is yeah it's kind of got like a kind of like uh, almost like a cry to the to the sound of the synth it's a like, whine yeah it's 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 whiny it like kind of plays in a register that is is quite is quite whiny it's it's, it's high pitched but like but it's kind of cute yeah, and I guess it kind of plays in that same thing of um, is it yeah, Chamber of Reflection by Mac DeMarco. It's kind of like plays in that similar register, like simp sound wise. Yeah, or Conner
0: Moccasin.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of it, it's, it's 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 all around there, and it's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's such a yeah. I, I I I love it, and it's despite the fact, and I've like really had to train myself to do this. Despite the fact of it being a song that like came to me in like a really depressing time of my life i just tap into like the joy in it and like Mm. just get kind of caught away with like the the way like the drums come in and like the kind of and like just like the kind of it's got like an anthemic kind of like i don't yeah like pick pick you up like to the point where you like I don't know. Yeah, like in a in a film version, it's almost like the character yeah would like be almost floating, where mm. it's like you're not you're not walking anymore. Like yeah, you've got clarity, like mm. and that's kind of how you feel sometimes, right? When you have clarity, is that thing of like your f- feet and your body feel lighter, and you can kind of that that strut from the opening scene is kind of got a bit more of a bounce to it, and the shoulders like kind of going up and down, which yeah, I kind of like. <laughs>
0: We are moving on to Act Five, uh-huh. which very sadly, Petros, is your death scene. Yeah. So this could be the track that plays over your imaginary death, however that might play out in your in your film, or it could be the song that you want playing at your funeral. So, will it be super sad or will it be euphoric? I what ge- is it?
1: I guess it would be euphoric because it's Talking Heads' uh, "Naive Melody." This must be the place, which I right, like. <laughs> Uh, For somebody who's only 31 years old, like maybe 10 years ago, I decided, which probably tells you a lot about uh, some of the mental states and the the positions I've been at in my life that I was like, that's going to be, that's actually going to be the song at my funeral. And then like, I realised once I did that, I was like, I've ruined this song for myself because every time I listen to it now, I'm like, oh, I'm dead.
0: This is just like one of the best songs yeah, of all time. They're all going
1: to be there at my funeral in in oversized suits,
0: like <laughs> huge, <Band. laughs> huge shoulder pads.
1: Yeah, they're going to be in huge shoulder pads. Um, <laughs> There's they, they, like I don't know. They're going to, going to be thrown off by the kind of like wonky synths and stuff like that. And like, and what is what is that sound? And like, like that, <whistles> <laughs> like, what is it's creating that? And I I, I like genuinely. Love this song. I kind of have this image of uh, a scene, especially to this song, of like uh, to almost mirror what I said with that kind of image of floating and like to kind of tie back into the, the opening shot of of the film that that opening montage would be like. So picture the camera, kind of like my yeah like or just the character's body in a casket um and then like the camera moves with them as they kind of ascend out of the casket to like stand up and then it's like really it'd be probably like green screen or rear projection of just like like their life and the people throughout it just kind of like passing through but it is essentially an like an animated corpse like I think that would be just like (laughs) such a weird way and like kind of like people interacting of like shoulder rubs and like kind of like hey how you doing kind of thing to this like this dead this like dead body like when you when you kind of listen to the lyrics of this especially if you think about it in the context of like dying, and I, I'm not somebody who believes in, like, heaven like, I don't know, I'd probably if I were to, like, pigeonhole myself in tell Field would be, like, agnostic like, I'd love for there to be something and it's like, yeah this song could you could easily be like, oh, that's like if someone said that that's by a Christian rock band, you'd be like, Yeah, like of course it is. Like mm. home is where I wanna be, lift me up and take like take me there. It's like it sounds and like the album itself is called Speaking in Tongues, which is from, which kind of like mm. evokes religious like kind of connotations and stuff like that. And the way that David Byrne wrote the lyrics to all of the songs in the album was like he would literally speak gibberish into the microphone and then fit words around it and it worked out to be pretty great it's like a great album
0: yeah
1: and um yeah I, I, like i just love it like i can i can listen to it on a steady loop just constantly one thing you've got to ro- like got like I, I do think about um like a funeral song And so like, sometimes i'd probably change my mind eventually it's like you are potentially ruining a song for people. Like, yeah. Like, because that's going to be the lasting thought of you. So, like, but then part of me is like, fuck it. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm I'm taking... I'm taking... Naive Melody. I'm dead and I'm
0: taking this song with me. Yeah, I'm
1: taking this song with me. I'm kind of going out in a blaze of fire, just two fingers in the air, like, fuck you. The final fuck you is me taking this song with me to my grave. (laughs) And then realise they're not in the wheel either.
0: The closing credits is the final track. So you know the credits are rolling people are sitting there maybe they're you know tearing up still what what song is is soundtracking the credits rolling for you
1: so the the closing the closing song uh, for my film as the credits Roll, it, i i what from what i remember is actually the song that plays over a credits to the film that it's from is you give a lot uh, yeah you give a little love uh, from Bugsy malone by the diminutive songwriter Paul Williams, who is a fantastic and fascinating guy in himself, kind of uh, wrote music for like the, the original Muppets movie, like, as wrote music for one of my favorite Brian De Palma films, Phantom of the Paradise, um, and then, yeah, wrote the music for Bugsy Malone, and there is something intrinsically beautiful, sad. Uh, uplifting it kind of you can again like like the previous, and I think they're kind of, they could be interchangeable, but I think this is really the one you want to ride out on is like just that kind of farewell statement to an audience, and yeah, I think with all the stuff that like would have come before it like if it is like a kind of true biopic of my life is I think I've eternally got the attitude that you can be anything like sometimes my kind of my own foibles and my own like kind of insecurities prevent me from getting there or just circumstances or whatever like by like I think like hey like I'll at least try do you know what I mean like to, to be what I want and yeah there's that I heard once on a podcast um Edgar Wright discussed this song and said like wouldn't it be great if this song played at like your wake and you had it in your will that everyone had to have a custard pie fight yeah like to kind of ape the end of Bugsy Malone I
0: mean that would be amazing this so this song is this song plays over the end scene in Bugsy Malone 1976 film and the the closing scene is all of the kids have had a custard pie fight so Mm. they're all covered in fucking cream. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone just starts this amazing, beautiful ditty on the piano. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, which like... Dun, 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 dun. Somebody putting that
1: to me sounds like they're like, it sounds Greek. And I like, it, didn't, it does. It did not Yeah, I think it's something about that interval that, like, and it, like if you kind of if that was playing like a bazooki or something, and like it could easily like fit into like that Zorba the Greek kind of mold, like.
0: Yes. Like yes. I was like, yeah,
1: maybe subconsciously that's kind of like drilled into me, like just that, and then like you get that, like that intro of the vocals, and I love this, this like little moment, and it is like one a two. Three, yeah. four. I'm and then the with that. song kicks in and it's just like and there's something like weird about Paul Williams, his voice as well. Like he kind of sounds like he looks like a kind I don't know, he looks like a child, like a kind of if you put a child like on a human like a adult's body in a weird way. He's kind of an odd looking guy, looks like a stretched out child and like there's a childlike quality to his voice and his melodies and stuff like that. And I think I think it is one of the perfect ending songs to a film in itself. So I think to kind of, like, crib that for the end of my life and basically have, like, a message that is, like, kind of... Like I was saying at the beginning with that final song at the end of Licorice Pizza, is you kind of want people, like, kind of, in this case, like as they leave the cinema, almost like can cannon or like, do you know what I mean? Like out of the cinema, like like swaying and like just kind of like 100%. walking out into the streets being like, wow, wasn't that great and kind of feeling like, yeah, I could go out, do you know what I mean? I could go out and beat up the strongest guy in town. I love kind of weird offbeat musicals. Like one of my kind of personal favourite like films that I see as like a kind of understood masterpiece uh to use that term is (laughs) robert altman's popeye and i could have easily have like had like a song from from that on this like maybe to like close it out or yeah i could have easily had blow me down from like the soundtrack of that or like um he needs me or something. Just like, yeah, I could've yeah, yeah. I could have had like one of those songs on this list somewhere. And I kinda of, yeah, kind of in a weird way felt like I had to like shout at that. And I think it ties into and yeah, Paul Williams is someone like I love. And I think it all kind of weirdly ties together as well. And like my opening song is by a band that kind of don't exist without Daft Punk, right? And then you've got Daft Punk who, in a weird way don't exist without Paul Williams and making of the film Phantom of the Paradise which is like a retelling of Phantom of the Opera but set in the 70s about uh, this guy Winslow Leach who kind of gets his song stolen by this guy farmed out to other people and he kind of in this weird accident becomes like this disfigured creature that lives in in the the wings of the paradise club and to be able to sing again his voice gets altered like in the way that like daft punk do and they've cited that like even their visual imagery so like listening to this podcast google phantom of the paradise and you'll be like that is where daft punk got their image from and it's Paul Williams' music in that and mm-hmm. on their final album, Random Access Memories, um, they have a song with Paul Williams which is kind of like their tribute to be like... Oh, cool. This is where, like, kind of Daft Punk in a weird way came from without this kind of film. We didn't get, like, the visual of of the band and we kind of... the Yeah, the weird musicality and stuff like that and, like, embracing... Show tunes like they do on the mm. song with Paul Williams, and there is, yeah, I think just Paul, Paul, Paul Williams is great, and this particular track, and the whole, the whole of the Bugs in Malone, like, I will, I, I will, I, yeah, I will gladly say this like on a podcast Just gladly says to, to people's faces like i think the, the soundtrack to bugs and low is great and i i said I, I listened to it fairly recently and just like i'm like yeah I, i've got a lot of time for paul williams and randy newman they're kind of like my my guys in a weird
0: way with this song, it's like, you give a little love and it all comes back to you. You're going to be remembered for the things that you say and do. Yeah. Which is just a mantra for modern times.
1: Yeah, and, like, it's, like, so, and I think, yeah, I think that's, the, like, especially you'll be remembered for the things that you say and do is, like, ever more so prescient for somebody who has made, like, a big part of their life talking into a microphone about, like... Things that, like, my, my thoughts and opinions on film and television and, like, kind of whatever, like, I'm kind of tasked to do at any given time, like, or whatever I decide to do, like, with my, my podcast or, like, guesting on podcasts. Yeah, it, like, kind of highlights that responsibility and it is kind of, and I guess we're all, in a weird way, kind of trying to, and I guess the kind of eternal 21st century fear, right, is, like, legacy, like, in a weird way, of, like, uh, most people are, what, like, two generations from being forgotten, and we're yet to see the ramifications of everybody being, like, terminally online. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we've already seen that, like, people who pass away, like, now their Facebook pages kind of get archived in this weird, like, memorial page and stuff like that, and it's, like... Yeah, we're years away. We're like mm. hundred, like a hundred years away from seeing what the full ramifications of like are. We at a time? Are we getting to a point where no one is ever forgotten, or mm. does it get to a point where server space runs out and it's just gonna be like how it, how it used to be, and it's like oh two, God, yeah. two generations' time. They're like, we're gonna have to push that out and like, <laughs> yeah,
0: or like. Is it going to be like how new people, uh, young people, kind of discover old music? Are like people from? Are people going to become famous posthumously? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like,
1: yeah!
0: Oh, I love this guy from like Sweden. He was like eighty-five when he died, and he wrote this like weird blog in nineteen ninety-five. Oh, like, is yes, that it's going to, go- to happen? Yeah, it's going to be depressing,
1: <laughs> isn't it? Like, that's that's going to be just my luck. It's going to be like. <laughs> the 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 boom in my podcast would be like was like long gone it would be like I could have I could have benefited from the cash when I was alive do you know what I mean like some some crypto bro selling my episodes as NFTs and I'm like fuck
0: I'm gonna recap your soundtrack Odyssey perfect and then you're gonna tell me how you feel about it okay so your opening credits yes is uh, Phantom Part Two by Justice yep. Coming of Age track is Balloons by Foles. Yep. First Love, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Yeah. Point of Conflict or Despair is Beautiful Boy by John Lennon.
1: Yeah, have it, I'll have it.
0: (laughs) Enlightenment, Moment of Euphoria is Clear by Matty. Yep. Your death scene or funeral song is This Must Be the Place, Naive Melody by Talking Heads. Yep. And your closing credits is You Gotta Give a Little Love. From the bugsy malone soundtrack
1: I'm, I'm really happy with that i was as honest as i could have been with those tracks
0: well petros mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on a soundtrack odyssey
1: thank you so much for having me this has been this has been a real like dive into my own brain i don't tend to do that often but it's been quite cathartic like putting the list together and actually having this conversation like uh i'll be honest with you i'm surprised given the beers I've drunk and the kind of uh, the soul-bearing nature of which I've talked. I'm surprised I'm not crying. I probably will do <laughs> on, on my train journey home. I'll probably have a little sob. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for oh, having
0: me on. It's been a joy. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there we have it. The soundtrack odyssey of Petros Pat Silivas. What a great, interesting dude. His knowledge of film and music is truly next level. And what an awesome selection of songs. Massive thank you to Petros for his candidity, his honesty, and for sharing his experience of life, music and film with me over a couple of cans of wholesome pills. You can listen to Petros' awesome soundtrack by following the link in the description and have a lovely time listening to all the tracks he chose, especially imagining him slow walking down the street with a double slice of pizza while being repeatedly punched. (laughs) And also the new anthem for modern times that we established, You Gotta Give a Little Love from Bugsy Malone. Follow Petrus on Instagram, he's at Prosecco Petty, and find his podcast Caged In on all of the usual platforms. They're all linked in the description for your convenience. I'll be back in two weeks with a very special guest. If you're a fan of drag race, or just drag in general, you're going to love it. Catch you next time.